A young YouTube star films videos of vulnerable, lonely men seeking companionship. Yet, her material has become dry, and she isn't attracting any viewers or getting any hits that she would like. She's desperate to gain attention, and she'll go to any limit to increase the viewership of her channel. But be careful what you wish for. You may find yourself in the wolf's den, face to face with a self-proclaimed serial killer, wishing for you to film him as he bears his soul for his 40th birthday. It's exactly the interview you've been searching for, and you may not make it till the end. Do you take the interview, or do you walk away? Can you trust this man? This is It Records. Good evening, all you creatures of the night. Welcome to the It Records podcast. It's one of your hosts here, Matt Johnson. What, uh, and uh, what's that voice you got going there? I don't know. That's just like my disc jockey voice. If I had like the midnight shift, and I was like, "Cool, Matt, coming over the airway." If you were like worked for WZND at ISU, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I gotta keep that energy going late into the night. So that, that's what I, that'd be the voice I would use, or one of them. I'd probably use several. I'd have many characters. What's your second to pull best from. voice you got in your arsenal? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's me, Matt Johnson here, uh, coming over the airways. Please talk like that all podcast. Alrighty then. Are you still like, uh, from Nick Kroll from Parks and Rec? He's like, in the douche. <laughs> like, you got that voice or something? <laughs> the douche. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Back to the horror podcast. Uh, I didn't introduce the other host, though. We got the smart, the brilliant, the beautiful... Lindsay Clark here, and Peter also showed up. Pete's here as well. If you didn't catch him here, we got him in. I saw you roll your eyes, Peter. That was, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, you just have to like really charm someone that isn't here. Because usually, it's yeah. you, like mostly do me, but you throw in Lindsay in there every once in a while to to get under my skin or something. I don't know. <laughs> you should just say like. It's like someone we don't know. <laughs> someone we don't yeah. know, and this is like voice them as if they're yeah. here. <laughs> okay, I'll take the suggestion. Yeah. And this week on the podcast, um, before I tell you what movie we watched, because I know you're all on bated breath waiting to hear what we watched, I'm going to throw it to Pete and do a little segment we like to call Creepy Headlines. Pete, do you have one for us this week? Yeah, I'm surprised you wanted to do it so early. <laughs> oh, I want to. Yeah, people are dying to hear these creepy headlines. Twitter is blowing up about creepy headlines. Really? Because we haven't every week. We like, haven't used it in probably about six months. So I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, every day this thing is is blowing up. I'm pretty sure we have negative followers, but I'll I'll proceed. <laughs> Somehow we have negative followers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it's a, a callback to a little Bustle article we've read in the past. It has seven creepy headlines. This one in particular is called The Girl in the Water Tank. If you guys are familiar with it, it came out on Twitter around 2015, if your memory is that good. So, imagine this. Eliza Lamb's death is both creepy and de- deeply sad. The 21-year-old Canadian tourist body was found floating in a water tank of a Los Angeles hotel after being there for 19 days. 
During that time, hotel guests had been using the water to shower, brush their teeth, and drink. The water tank was covered and the roof door was locked. But the story doesn't stop there. The night of her death, Lamb was recorded acting erotically in an elevator, pressing buttons, running in and out, and acting like she was hiding from someone who couldn't be seen on camera. Her death was ruled an accident. The case was so creepy that it's actually part of the inspiration for one of the stories in American Horror Story. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man. that one that one really stuck with me when I heard it for the first time. It's deeply unsettling. Yeah. Especially with the video footage of like her, like watching her like dart back and forth mm-hmm. at nothing. Just clearly in a panic. Mm. And then she was found 19 days later. Do you believe in ghosts? I do, of course. I, I'm on a horror podcast beat. I'm talking to Matt, not Matt Johnson, the podcaster, your fake persona. There's no difference. <laughs> There's no difference. It's I'm very transparent, Pete. There's no character here. All right. <laughs> I stick with my statement. <laughs> All right, I believe you, Pete. Do you? Do you believe? Oh, the of ghost? course I do. I'm very superstitious. I'm not little stitious. I'm superstitious. <laughs> but I'm ching. <laughs> I was raised to be superstitious. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, Lindsay. How are you, how do you feel about ghosts? Uh, they're real. <laughs> All, right. All right. Cool. I no, yeah, and I, I think yeah. So you hear it? It records defends the <laughs> ghost being real. <laughs> I think we got a unanimous vote on that. Ghosts exist. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh. Well, Pete, thank you so much for the creepy headline. As thank always, thank you for sending it to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Pete. Oh. As always. I don't do my homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. The fans on Twitter are going to be going nuts. They're going to be loving this. So thank you for, yeah. for helping us out. <laughs> yeah, you can thank them for me. I will. I'll get back at them. But with that, um, we will now send you straight into the movie we watched this week. Um, we watched a 2017 film, so it, it's fairly recent. And we watched the 2017 Creep 2, directed by Patrick Bryce. I'm Sarah. Hey, welcome to Encounters. Sunday morning. I'm Sarah. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? Come in. The show where I look behind the strange world of online personal ads. What is their story? Who are these people? So subscribe and join me on this journey. You never know who you might meet next. Hello? Hello? Ever since I turned 40, I've lost my inspiration. I have no joy. I'm having a hard time. trying to make the films that I used to make. What if I make a documentary? And this is where you come in. 
I have no idea what I'm stepping into. Together, I believe we will make magic. Aaron, is that you? You are inspiring feelings in me. I don't know what to do. Oh my God. This is gonna be a good day. I'm very excited about it, okay? Are you ready to go? Wow, you're tough not to crack. And if you uh, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll you'll know we also did creep um, earlier in the podcast. So this is also the first time on the podcast that we're doing a sequel. We've we've talked about other movies in the past, but never actually fully investigated a sequel. So this will be the first time we've done that. Maybe we'll find some interesting tidbits, have some really thought-provoking analysis from us at the It Records gang. But if you haven't seen Creep 2, the general synopsis is a video artist um, looking for work drives to a remote house after looking at a Craigslist ad. Uh, the remote house is in the forest, and she meets a man claiming to be a serial killer. After agreeing to spend the day with him, she soon realizes that this may be a deadly mistake. So there you have it. There's the general premise and if you've seen the first one it's also a very similar idea i guess yeah it's definitely similar in tone and almost in execution as well like you could see a lot of parallels between the two yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean both that's kind of something i want to talk about later is kind of comparing and contrasting the two victims so to speak the first one you know, we've got this guy, Aaron, and then the second, uh, we've got this girl named Sarah, and uh, they both respond to a Craigslist ad, is that right? That's how they, yes. okay, so they both yes. mm-hmm. come into contact with uh, Joseph slash Aaron, I don't, I don't know, but I guess he's Aaron in this movie. Yeah, he was, he's Joseph in the first movie, yes. and then in this one, he's Aaron. Aaron is the victim in the first one. Yes. So he so kind of just takes assume, Yeah, he just probably takes his, the names of the people he kills. And he is admitted to being a pathological liar, which we have seen him do. <laughs> yeah. He lies about a lot. So we don't know a whole lot about him because I remember I maybe jump. Actually, I'll, I'll hold this, this conversation because we're going to talk in chronological order this time. Yes. Yeah, we'll go through um, the plot and. So you guys can follow the movie without giving away too many spoilers. Um, before I, I, I go into Creep 2, I'll just give a, a brief rundown for people who haven't seen Creep or used, it's been a while. The general idea of the first one is there's a Craigslist ad. A guy goes to document Joseph in this movie who is our serial killer um, because he says he has terminal cancer and he wants to film a video for his son. What happens is that transpire, they're hanging out. Joseph kills Aaron, and the movie ends. That's the first one, is he kills this guy who came out to film him in this video. So we know he's a pathological liar. We know he's a serial killer. Enter Creep 2. And what we're... we're... Yes, Pete? Yes. Thank you for acknowledging me. (laughs) Uh, What were our decisions on the first one? 
I know what I said. I don't remember what you two said. Just to give. I don't remember what I said, but I have a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you? Why don't you just say what you think? I'm pretty sure I defended it, like, okay, because not because it like is scary, but because it bothered me. Like these movies Mm -hmm. bother me, but you know, it's yeah, all in the name of horror, so. Matt, what was yours? I believe I defended it, and I believe Peter destroyed it. Yeah, I did destroy it. Yeah, there wasn't a unanimous decision on that, yeah. Which is probably a rare occurrence, because usually I'm pretty soft on horror movies. I usually defend them. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's only a few you've destroyed, and this was one of them, the first ones. Um, Yeah, so then, you know how the first movie goes you know what our opinions were of it we got two yays and one nay and we're going <laughs> we're going into the sequel of this um and the funny thing is i was the one who picked this movie yes. yeah <laughs> that is true yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 very interesting I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it because the way the first one ends with the death of aaron and you you know now the whole build-up of the first one was you didn't know if this person Joseph was a serial killer or not. If he was, like, what his deal was, you were just kind of, this guy was off. And then you kind of realize, oh, shit, he is a killer. He kills Aaron at the end. So I was really curious of what this second one was going to be and how it was going to be different and not be really stale. Mm -hmm. So we can break into the plot of the second one. Does that sound good, everybody? Yep. Cool. Yes. All right. Yes, it is. Here we go. So, I, I guess we'll start off with the first scene. Um, there's this, there's a person, we don't know who this is, gets a package in the mail with a wolf's head, or a, a baby wolf. Wolf. Um, which we know is kind of Aaron's thing. He wears this mask called Peach Fuzz. Um, and that's how he killed Aaron. He sent him these videos. And this person seems really scared that somebody's following them. And then... Joseph or Aaron slash whichever one you want to call the serial killer comes in and feels really apprehensive about like, oh no, I need to protect you. And then it transpires in that same scene that uh, he admits he's a serial killer. His 40th birthday is coming up and he slits the person's throat. And then Flash Creep 2 titles. So are are we to believe that he's killed a person for every one of his birthdays even though you know that's impossible he made up for it at some point that sounds yeah, said I, that he about right sorry go ahead no I'm, I'm thinking that's probably the case right he said he that's killed 39 people right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and his 40th birthday is coming up and he wanted his 40th to be special the person mm-hmm. he killed at the beginning yes. was the 39th person the first person who we didn't really know but he did the same sort of tactics to, to that he killed Aaron, he killed this person with. Yeah. And you can kind of see he's dejected, and he seems kind of like, uh, almost like stuck in a, in a rut in the way he's killing people, <laughs> and he's kind of sad about it. And we're supposed to, I guess, empathize with that to some, ex- to some respect, is how it, I feel like it was set up. Yeah. Okay, right. I think it was supposed to kind of give her more of a creepier side to him that he's like, he he sees this as completely normal, and that like, 
he like he said at one point I, he that he finds it a job to kill people but before it was like a hobby i guess right yes yeah yeah he found joy in it there was a passion and now it's just sort of you know going through the motions he's lost his his spark his creativity yeah, yeah. his chutzpah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so that's where we start with creep 2 is with with our with the serial killer villain from the first one Back to his old tricks. Yeah. And then uh, right after we see the Creep 2 uh, credits, it cuts to a new character we haven't seen. Her name is Sarah, played by uh, Desiree Akavan. Uh, sorry if I butchered her name. I'm not looking at IMDb, but I believe that's her name. That's um, her name. If if that's how it's pronounced, I would assume okay. that's correct. <laughs> okay. Um. And what we see from her is she runs a YouTube show called Encounters where she follows, she tries to find men who are seeking sort of companionship is what I got from it. Or maybe have something that's um, eccentric about them and she wants to document them and find out what makes them tick. And what she's figuring out is that they're kind of just vulnerable people who want like, who have mommy issues or something who aren't really interesting. She's like, they have mommy issues and they just want me to like take care of them for a while. And she's not getting views. Or some, or some kind of companion. Yeah. And they're not really... There's nothing deeper to it except maybe that they're just lonely and they don't see too many people. It's not getting views, the people she's meeting. So she's kind of down. Um, she's kind of down because of that. Bam, she gets a Craigslist hit that says, for $1,000, I'd like you to come shoot me. I need companionship or something like that. Is all it said, I believe. Was a Craigslist ad? I actually can't remember what it said, but I thought it was like, yeah, you know, I, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, That's I don't remember it be. Yeah, I think it just said like a thousand dollars to video me for the entire day. So something similar to what she's been doing, and she decides to take take the job, and she starts texting the person. And I thought there was something we know who she's texting clearly we've seen this movie we know who she's talking to but she's texting back and forth and she says her name is sarah and then he goes oh like one of my favorite songs yeah and that ticked that tipped me off as weird right from like if i was her he said, he said that's kind of my favorite, kind of the name of my favorite song i'm like huh what an odd choice of words <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was very confused and even the character said that she was like what and she kind of laughed like that's a very odd way to phrase something or even to respond to, my name is Sarah. I agree. But, yeah, she agrees to the, the meetup and she goes driving to his remote house in the forest, which I don't believe is the same house, correct, from the first one? I kind of got similar vibes, but um, as far as I remember that he rented it, the first one, so it's not his. So I'm right. inclined to believe that he just rents these cabins in remote areas to make it easier for him to get away with stuff. Sure, like an Airbnb type thing. Yeah. And so he has no... I gotcha. Okay, so she takes the job, she goes and meets him at the house, and he's got this beard now, which he didn't have in the first one, like long hair and a ponytail. And from the very get-go, because I, I was re-watching it right before we did the podcast, the first scene is she sits down with the camera... And he just openly admits to 
he's a serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah. Being a serial killer. And that floored me when I first watched it because I was curious what they were going to do with this movie to make it different and make it not like another Craigslist ad and we don't know if he's going to kill her or not because we know he's a serial killer. But I was not expecting that he was just going to come out and be like, I'm a serial killer. So this is what I do. It. Yeah. I was absolutely. I was surprised we saw his penis at like 15 minutes in. <laughs> True. <laughs> I was not expecting to see Mark DeBlas' penis for about a solid minute and a half. But it happened. Mm-hmm. It, it happened. I was like, oh, okay, that's happening. <laughs> yeah. I did not either. He... In that same scene, uh, he says to, to take all barriers down so there's nothing between us because he opened up that he was a serial killer. He wanted to be nude in front of her, and he does, and the camera's on, and then she does it as well. And I found something kind of interesting, and I tried to pick up on it when I watched it, is what the difference was when Sarah was filming versus when uh, Aaron was filming. Yes. Because they would switch the camera back and forth, and what the camera was looking at when uh, each character was filming. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when Mark Duplass was in his birthday suit, um, she had a full view of him um, naked for a while. And he did for a second when he was filming her, but then he like zoomed in on her face yeah. for most of it. And it was just... It remained very, on her and, face. Yeah. And it wasn't on her full body, which I found very interesting that he was like this like intent on her and wasn't really anything sexual it was more like i have you i'm whatever i'm whatever he had planned for this 40th birthday yeah he was dead set on her yeah he was smitten mm-hmm. yeah can we just talk about like what a fool sarah is <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, absolutely. She clearly recognizes all signs of red flags, but because of her show encounter, she's like, I have to do this and plows ahead anyway. And like, it just gets worse, obviously. Like, it was so frustrating to like keep watching like all this bad stuff happen, and yet, like, here she still is, you know, just hanging around mm-hmm. all in the name of encounters, right? Yeah. I would argue we would also see that in the first one, like that with the Air, the real Aaron, mm-hmm. how even though it wasn't revealed to him that he was a creep, he like had a lot of weird like interactions with them. But like there were red flags, but they were like, like coming in little bits. But then like there was points where he could leave and then he just didn't. That is true. So it's almost this, it's almost like the same, but this one, it's more in your face and she's like kind of like wants to prove how tough she maybe how tough she is or just like really wants it for the show Mm -hmm. yeah i think that was the main i mean that was obviously the motive behind her you know not going anywhere um i think with the first one with aaron he gets the call from joseph's sister right and that's when he leaves i don't think he leaves but he does get the call that okay well there's a I first forgot about that. Yeah, th- there's a call where he's like, you gotta get out of there, but I don't think he left immediately. Okay. Was it his sister? Wasn't it like his therapist or something? Well, I thought it was maybe his therapist. It was something like that, but Joseph had said it was his sister. Mm. This, this name was his sister. Mm-hmm. And then she once he actually contacted her, she, she was like, you gotta get out of there. Like, mm-hmm. he's not well, sort of a thing. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that is though what we're supposed to take is Sarah's very bullish about getting this this shot for her encounters. Mm-hmm. But there is some I don't know. I don't know. It's with the first one, there are those encounters, as you were saying. I didn't mean to use encounters for that, but <laughs> you don't know that Mark Duplass's character is a serial killer in the first one. He has those weird tendencies, Definitely. but in this one, he's like straightforward about it, and we know as the audience. But I think what kind of keeps it going is Mark Duplass's performance, because I felt like at some points, I mean, he was very sinister and like very creepy, but also he was like vulnerable. And, like, at some point she thought maybe he was, like, cracking or opening up to some extent. And Sarah's performance as, like, not being terrified at all of him ever um, just kind of kept propelling it. Mm. Um, Right. I always... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to finish that up with, like, we know who he is, and he's even said his intentions, but... I I never felt that he overpowered her like in presence ever. Like I always felt like if he tried something, she knew what he was gonna do. Like she was on the same wavelength. Totally. Or yeah, like like she was like, oh, I get you. Like I know what you're doing. So maybe that's kind of what I can give a yeah. tip of my hat to Desiree Akavan. Probably butchering again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, she wanted to make that connection. Mm-hmm. Remember, she said before her final episode, like a little intro that she wanted to find a weirdo that she could connect with. Um, so she's in fact herself a weirdo or else she wouldn't put herself in this situation because she just kind of like comforts these creeps and like is not afraid to where like uh, most people would be like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave. (laughs) This is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm uncomfortable. I just think... And she just yes. embraces it. If somebody tells you they're a serial killer, you should believe them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You don't... Yeah. Yeah, she... Because she didn't believe him right at first. No. Because after she... Um, he she was 99.9% sure that he, yeah. wasn't. he wasn't the killer. Yeah, and she says that when she goes into the bathroom after that. That she's going to pursue this, even though she's sure he's not a killer. Shows that she has a knife in her boot. That even if something does happen, she's prepared Just to protect herself. Just in case he is. That one, that point oh one percent that I'm wrong. You are newsflash. <laughs> you didn't see creep. Didn't see creep one clearly. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of that, almost the next scene is she sees creep one. Um, Aaron shows her his favorite video. Which is him killing Aaron from the first one on the park bench. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He doesn't he kind of preface it with this is like my favorite of them all. Yes, he did say that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he took Aaron's name and claimed it as his own. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And he also shows uh, later on uh, a locket that he was going to give Sarah, which is the locket he gave Aaron and Aaron's picture is actually still in it. I was running who that picture was because it was very it was very quick and I couldn't figure out who it was. Yeah, it was Aaron from the sense. first one. Which, for if you haven't listened to the first podcast, is Patrick Bryce, who is the director of the first one and the director of this film as well, and he's the writer for both with Mark Duplass. So he's still involved. His character Aaron is dead, but he's very much creatively involved in these movies. 
From beyond the grave. (laughs) (laughs) So, would you say, how would you compare the two victims? Like, would you be more behind Aaron or Sarah? Like, who, who, who's stupider, I guess? (laughs) Well, I guess you guys know what I think. I think uh, Sarah needs to realize her limits. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i'm on board with sarah's stupider like because i think if if aaron was in a similar situation that she was and he was like he he responded to the craigslist ag that said hey can you document me for a day and the guy's like yo i'm a serial killer i think aaron would have been like i'm out mm-hmm. see ya I'd bye like, like not what i signed here, up for here here's my counter argument let's yeah. hear it after he left aaron remember aaron got away yeah aaron got away and still met up with him in a park. Yeah. Where he died. Yeah. Knowing he was a killer. He didn't know he was a killer, though, did he, at that point? He just knew that he was, like, stalking him, and he was kind of freaked out. I guess you're right. And he didn't know he was a killer. Aaron... But he did know that he was fucking weird and mm-hmm. fucked up. Aaron and... did try contacting the police, right? Yeah, yeah he, he like said there was like weird stuff happening in his house. Uh-huh. And then they just like didn't believe him because they're just like, oh, it's like a raccoon or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Aaron ultimately fucked up. He could have done a little a little more, but. Yeah. I still think Sarah. I, I think she's dumber in the sense of like staying in that situation, but as like a char- character fortitude, I would have ta- take Sarah, I think. She had more backbone than Aaron. Did. I mean, she is. She definitely has more she backbone. Has, she, she's more wits too, I guess. I thought about her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But she's but she stays, and then once she agrees to it, they kind of get in these like. Uh, he wants to. F- oh, there's the line that uh, Aaron says to her during his. Uh, explanation he's a serial killer is he felt like he francis ford coppola that line i thought was like the film uh, or the theme of the film is the idea that coppola said after his creative peak was conversation the film conversation 1974 yeah. and uh, coppola like rode that wave he didn't try to like overcome it he like realized his decline was coming and just saw try to figure out what he could do with his decline and that's what Aaron said he's going to try to do with his kills is that not try to reinvent the wheel but sort of embrace this feeling he has I guess which was very interesting yeah and just like Coppola he failed (laughs) 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 oh so after that the next scenes that, that come about is he wants to do the interview outside in the woods by the riverbed mm-hmm mm-hmm which goes a little awry he the water's ankle deep. It's not the flowing river that he wanted. He wanted to do this interview in the water. He gets really upset, especially with like all the noises and the airplanes overhead. He gets really uh, agitated and pissed off. And then he goes and like lays face down in the dirt somewhere. Right? He's planking. Yeah, <laughs> he he's planking very dramatic. Yeah. Which I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, that's that's true. And then it, it's then followed by they're back at the house, and he's downstairs in his jacuzzi room blasting by himself, 
uh, Sarah likes her, Sarah likes her juicy fruit, and I believe that's the song that is kind of its favorite. Sarah likes his, her juicy fruit. Is that a real song? I don't know if it was made for this movie because every time I looked it up, it kept saying like the Creep Two soundtrack. Creep. But yeah. I listened to the song. Um, I don't know how who played it or they made it for the movie. Maybe it's like one of like Mark Duplass's friends or something. <laughs> like it's a real song, but it's like super like low key band. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a jam band. He says is one of his favorite songs. Yeah. Sarah looked down. I was beckoned by a smile. She grabbed me by the wrist and led me. In the garden, we proceeded past the gates and crept around the hedge of fruit trees. She took me to a hilltop and jumped into a think fucking jam bands the the pinnacle of it is that her name is sarah as well it's kind of her favorite song it's his 40th birthday we learn in that jacuzzi scene essentially why he became a serial killer if he's telling us the truth we don't know if he's telling yeah, us the truth I mean, who's to say really yeah he can't trust the guy but he, he says he was listening to the jam band uh and listening to sarah's sarah likes her juicy fruit I think that's the name of it. Sarah likes her juicy fruit. And he was picked up by a hitchhiker, or he was hitchhiking, and someone picked him up in a van after that show and made him dig his own grave and tied him up and was going to kill him. And he was, like, really impressed with the guy. It was, like, liked the guy because he was so commanding or whatever. And so he got out of the ropes, and that was his first kill. He strangled that guy and then laid with the guy in the grave all night. And that's how he, he really learned what his passion was, and he liked to to kill people and mm-hmm. that's what he associates that song with is like when he first learned what he loved to do and i think maybe it's the idea of that it was his first kill and maybe he wanted his last kill or his 40th kill to be a sarah of some sort i don't know maybe that was what his accumulation was but it definitely has a connection yeah something that has more meaningful which he was looking out for because he it, killing was getting stale for him. Yeah, he needed something, something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, plot-wise, we're getting pretty close to the end here. This would be. Tr- Do you want to? Yeah. Did you want to pause and go to trivia, mm. or did you just want to like quickly wrap it up and then uh, finish off with other? Uh, subjects I'm alright with doing some trivia now and saving the ending yeah go for it lay it it on me yeah I don't know Uh, this movie came out around Halloween time 2017 so I don't know too much backstory behind it Um, except uh, I just listened to some interviews with Mark Duplass and Patrick Bryce who they were trying to really figure out um, how they were going to make this different because they're really nervous about because they wanted to make a trilogy and it's going to be yeah. a trilogy so we can get into the sequels part too um, how they were going to make it different than another Craigslist ad and is it 
Is it possible to play this interview for the podcast listeners? No, it, it wasn't a uh, audio. It was a magazine article. Yeah. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I like, that'd be that'd be sweet. Yeah. If we had that. <laughs> no, not yet. Unfortunately, you can listen. You can listen to the to the letters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll post it on the on the Facebook or the website, um, the article about it. But yeah, apparently they came up with it like over a coffee session. They were just talking and really trying to find out different ways to write this movie when Patrick Bryce was just like, well, what if he's just openly honest about, you know, being a serial killer? Isn't that creepy enough? Like the, the whole point of our movie, the first movie was, is this guy a creep? We called it creep and the audience was going to see, is he a creep? Who is the creep? Because both of them have their weird tendencies. This one should be, well, why is he a creep? Um, why is he a creep? Why is... Is she a creep? I mean, she stays, she sticks around for the whole time. She's going to listen to this serial killer talk about why he's a serial killer. So we'll get into this. So is three going to be what is a creep? <laughs> it could be. It very well could be. And I don't know what that plot will entail, but uh, I have high hopes for it. Just, I think Mark Duplass, I don't love all of his movies. And he usually he writes a lot that he's in. But I do think when he writes them, I think they're well written. I might not love them, but they have cohesive stories to them. Even like these ones that are like mm -hmm. an hour and twenty minutes, they're well written. Yeah, and it also helps when you act out what you're writing, too, because you know exactly what you wanted. It's true. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think so far it's got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which. I think there's only like 12 reviews, but that's pretty good. Yeah, 100%. The other one... Yeah, I was a little a little surprised by that. I was surprised by 100% as as well. Um, but the the first one had a pretty high percentage, right? I think it's, it I did. believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was certified. Yeah. Fresh. Um, also, then I wanted to bring up... Um, it, it is labeled a horror movie. And we're doing it on the podcast. Mm. And people really like it. It's 100%. Also in that interview that they were talking about, um, Patrick Bryce said, it's really not a horror movie. And he goes, Blumhouse is producing it. And uh, they're going to market it like that. And the first one's creepy and scary. But he's like, I really didn't write it as if it would be a horror movie. And I was wondering if we could talk about that. Because the person who wrote it thinks, I, I didn't write it to be a horror movie. I don't think it is. But clearly everybody else does. And I wondered, since we're a horror podcast, if we'll dig into, <clears throat> like, if we think it is, if it has the elements, or if it's just sort of a, I don't know, a thriller, or... What is it, a fucking love story? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a horror film. What, like, what else would it be? You're not inventing a new genre here. <laughs> well, right, but, for instance, and we've done this in the past, like, Rope, or things like that, where... It, it, yeah. it, and Cloverfield, where we, we say, is it sci-fi or is it horror? And it's just like psychological thriller because, yeah, we, we know, like, take this movie apart from Creep. Like, let's say Creep doesn't exist. Like, and this is called Creep. This is the first one. It's kind of unsettling, but we wouldn't know he's a serial killer. He says he is, but it's kind of getting to the roots of, like, what is this person's, what makes him tick? And there isn't really any violence until, spoiler alert, the very the very end. 
and some of it's I'm getting spoiled, self-inflicted. So <laughs> it's kind of like I don't know. It I, I would contest. I think it still is a horror movie, but I can see where he's coming from. Almost like and stop me if I'm rambling too. Um, like Cloverfield and Cloverfield uh, Two, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I think Ten Cloverfield Lane could stand on its own, but it's an ex- it's yeah. an extension of Cloverfield. I think Creep mm-hmm. Two could have been its own movie, and maybe been something different than Creep. But it is it's the same character, so they're an, an extension. I think it's more of a sequel if we're talking about Cloverfield than Ten Cloverfield Lane because they have less similarities and less things to hold them together. Where there's a lot more like shared between the two movies in Creep, and I would still consider it a horror movie because horror movie doesn't have to exactly equal violence. Right. Because if you look at many horror films in the past, especially from the 70s, I mean, there's some really gory ones, but there's some that I mean, Halloween as a staple as it is, it's not that gory, and and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not that gory either until the end, which. It's kind of what happens in this movie. Like, you see more gore at the end. So, I think that's kind of where I'm sticking with, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be really gory or even, like, that scary, which is another discussion we had. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, it was unsettling, which I think is a part of, like, what horror movies want to do. But I could see how people may consider it a thriller, but we kind of, like, we kind of bring that in. Under of our umbrella. <laughs> well, I think, in general, I think people think horror, especially in more recent times, has to be body horror. Or, to some extent, that fear of, like, death and damnation by being stabbed with a knife or something. But you made a great point. It doesn't have to be. Horror is meant to be psychological terror. And I think, okay. Lindsay, you said it earlier, like, I don't know, these movies, like, stick with you or whatever after they end. Yeah. And that's horror. It's meant to, like, psychologically make you feel unsettled or scared of something and i feel like throughout these movies that exists especially with this character and the horror elements have to be like a confined space which always it is it's a remote location there is that that threat of of damnation and terror with this character and he's a foreboding presence that sort of seems immortal which is always the characteristic of at least a slasher villain as we'll learn in this one, he kind of seems immortal or he'll, he'll always be there, uh, this Aaron character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I do contest. I get what he's saying, it, but I do still think it's a horror film. Yeah, I think the psychological tone of the movie achieves uh, kind of the horror genre. So I'm going to say it's a horror more than it is anything else. If nothing, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if you consider the first one horror, I feel like this one's definitely a mm-hmm. horror as well. Yeah. But if we don't have any more trivia, I think we can wrap it up or go into the the finale of the the movie. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, wrap like yeah, you got one. I got. It. I feel you. <laughs> um, but before we do that, does any I don't think anybody have any uh, insight onto Creep 3 yet at all. I don't uh, know if there's any info out on that yet. I do not have that insider knowledge. 
Okay. I didn't know if I you guys found <laughs> something online. I couldn't. Oh. I just know they're going to make it. Yep. I guess okay. we'll see what the future brings. Okay. Um, so with that, then, we'll kind of hit the end of this movie, which is after the scenes we just talked about where he's in the jacuzzi, he kind of tells Sarah that he would like her to kill him, help him in suicide, which he thinks he wants to do for his 40th birthday. That's how he'll, you know, make himself feel alive again to some extent. And he wants her to help him first by chopping off his head with the axe he used to kill Aaron. She can't do it. She refuses. And then he asks her to help him hang himself from like the rafter or banister mm-hmm. and she's kind of feels apprehensive about that but he he drops himself and he's hanging there and she lifts him up uh camera goes black um and that's when she, sarah's like i'm gonna leave i'm getting out of here um finally I, yeah i don't want to do this i don't want to help you kill yourself i don't want to be part of that but then i can't remember exactly but he she's like putting on her shoes and he's he shows her uh the harness that he was wearing a harness the whole time so that he wasn't actually hanging himself and is that what convinces her to stay or i thought he had some other spiel that he also said i mean he kind of said that he like liked her i think it was just like Uh, right 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 maybe like him putting on a show for her that like i want to do this for your show encounters okay I think was kind of like, I don't know. She's like, all right, I'll stick it out. Gotcha. She's like, he's like buttering her up. Is what I kind of got. Okay. And then she does stay. She sticks around, and they play true. Uh, sorry, two truths and a lie together. She never went. She never took her turn. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she, got <laughs> she did not. And she poses to Aaron. I, I want you to remember all. That. Oh no, he he says to her. I forget all they were. He never... One is he's never... He never... Go ahead. Never had sex with a woman. Okay. Um, he could hold his breath for two and a half minutes, I think he said. Yeah, something like that. The first one... I can't remember the first thing he, he said. He was born three months premature. Ah, yeah, That's there you what go. he said. Yeah. yeah. And the truth was... Oh, wait. Two truths and a lie, right? So the lie... Yeah, two truths. The lie was... Was it holding his breath? I don't know. But he... He had never been with a woman, and that's that's the whole thing where she gives him his first kiss uh, on on camera because he kind of divulges to her that he never got along with anybody. He had worked, he had been in mental institutions growing up, and he worked at an elderly home, so he never really had a chance to interact with people his own age, and he was kind of off because of that. So she gives him a kiss on camera, his first kiss. So that happens. And... I can't tell with him because he's a pathological liar and a serial killer, but there's points in this movie and especially in that scene where I thought like he actually did like her. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that. he definitely did. Like he like there was a genuine like under, like I did I do like Sarah as a person. I just enjoy her company. But still moving on to the next scene where they go outside with the camera um, and this is the real finale to the movie. He says where they go out, and there's two... Is it two graves, or is it one? It's one grave. One grave. One grave is dug, and he says that they will both... 
was it both kill each other and then die alone? They're gonna stab. They're gonna stab themselves and they're gonna die in the grave together, like Romeo and Juliet. That's right. Oh, okay, right. And then Sarah goes, "Fuck this, I'm out." She doesn't literally say that, but that's kind of her her reaction. And yes, he then begins to start by stabbing himself, and she's kind of just standing there as he films it. He films her reaction. Um. Aaron is filming Sarah's face, and he's stabbing. We can we can't see it, but we hear it. We hear him puncturing himself, and we know he has Sarah's knife. Um, and she takes off. We do see his wounds, though. We do. We do see that he did. And sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just gonna say that's when she takes off, but he gets upset and chases her down and stabs Sarah. Which I have a problem with because he stabbed himself like fucking five times. How did he, who's falling over, overpower this Suddenly woman who's in perfect health? Yeah. Well, that gets to my whole point of, you know, I mean, like the immortality of the villain and any slasher yeah. is... He's like a Michael Myers. Yeah. It's like the bad punny that keeps turning up. Exactly. He'll always be there. He, he seems well, yeah, a semi-human, or he is human, but also whatever. He can't die which he runs her down stabs her and drags her into the grave is what happens and he then comes up to the camera to give a monologue talking about you know this is his 40th pitches be monologuing yeah just giving a soliloquy out to the out to the camera talking about his 40th birthday and how he doesn't think he'll actually die on his 40th birthday um and during this time we see sarah emerge from the grave uh she grabs the shovel and she whacks him on the head with it and sprints out of there. Not grabbing the camera. Kind of a key point, not really. But she doesn't grab the camera. She leaves it there. We flash forward, I don't know how many months later. And there's a camera following Sarah throughout whatever city she's in. And she's on a subway. And the camera's pointing on her face. And we hear a whistling sound. A whistling a tune. And she looks at the camera and gives like a very alarmed face. Yes. And the movie ends. So you kind of know that Aaron's still out there and he's now still stalking. Well, that's all that was always his thing. He kind of doesn't kill them the first time he meets them. He then he stalks them. Mm. So that could be a, a lead into Creep 3. Is Sarah could be Perhaps. involved again. It could. That be the movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off saying how I feel about it. <laughs> about Defender Destroy. Right. I am. Real, real quick before you do that, um, Lindsay mentioned earlier. I don't know if you want to still talk about it, but you the tone and and, and like the style of the movie you wanted to talk about. I thought mm-hmm. if you wanted to mention that at well, all before we wrap up. You know, like the first one, um, it's consistent with the found footage and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's for everybody. Um, I'm not saying whether I'm defending or destroying it yet. But, um, you know, I mean, with that kind of style of film, you know, the plot can be very kind of thin. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of like we covered before, you know, um, very, very unsettling, very creepy. I think, you know, the actors' performances um, really cemented that and uh, i think they did a really great job but did you guys have any thoughts on that at all all right 
Is that an L? <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> Any thoughts on that, you said? Yeah. Just to build yeah. out that. No, I mean, I definitely... Uh, I got a lot of the same tone and vibe, for sure. I thought he was even more, a little more polished, maybe. I don't know, was Blumhouse producing the first one as well? I, b- I believe it was, I, okay. yeah. They were in on the first one. Um, it just seemed a little more of like a film. Maybe they knew that they had a successful first one and they wanted to even make it a little more, I don't know, accessible to a larger audience. But I got the same tone. It's the same writer and directors. Uh, and the acting, I thought, was... Mark Duplass helps sell these movies with his performance as Aaron or Joseph as really connecting, but also wanting to distance yourself from from the character at mm-hmm. all at the same time. Where this person does seem intimate and vulnerable and maybe a little weak, but also you kind of know their intentions. So it's it's hard to like the person, but mm-hmm. yeah. With that, I mean, I'm ready to defend or destroy. And Pete seemed raring to go I, for that. I am ready. I am ready. Okay. I'm ready to destroy this film. <laughs> so we just okay go ahead so i'll tell you this it's better than the first one in every way imaginable in my opinion i think the camera work is a lot less like disorienting yeah um so that was a plus um i think they got a better like co-star like uh, sarah was a better actress than aaron was in the first one uh, even though she was she was tougher, she, I definitely rolled my eyes a lot because of how she was in it for her YouTube series that had 40 views or whatever shit. You know, anything to get a like. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> and it felt long like the other one. It didn't have a thousand different endings as the first one did. Where I'm just like looking at the time. I'm like, when's this movie going to end? I didn't have as many of one of those as the first one. And it was kind of tiring to watch, even with that being said, because of how her decisions has made your eyes roll. And that's why it pissed me off. And that's about, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. So is that a destroy or... I, d- I, oh, okay. I said it. You said it? Okay, I missed it. Yeah, he destroyed yeah. it. So okay. he destroyed, destroyed the first right. and the second. I did, and I, I believe I picked both movies as well. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, I'll go. Um, I think, you know, both of these movies, uh, they have a lot of elements, especially with this one, um, with, you know, uh, Mark Duplass's character being so open about, you know, him being a serial killer like that to me is so wild like it's it caught me off guard it got me messed up and um you know the characters are trying to out scare each other like the whole time and I'm just like what are you doing like stop um to Sarah but uh with that being said you know the lead actor carries his portrayal very well I think both actors do a great job um I think this movie does what it's supposed to do which is you know make you feel very unsettled in, you know, the dude's a psycho and his performance stays with you. So on all those counts, I'm going to give it a defend. All right. Got to defend and destroy. Um, What's it going to be, Matt? 
<laughs> I think I'm 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 going to defend it. I defended the first one. I, I'm defending the second one as well, um, for a lot of similar reasons as Lindsay. Um, I think I think a lot of what my my interest and in my defense is. I was really curious of what they were going to do with this one, because I, I at the end of the first one I didn't really need a second one, and when they were like we're doing multiple of them, I was like, oh boy, what? How are you going to make this different? And it kind of it did floor me when I was like, he's like, oh, I'm a serial killer. So it was right out of the gate. You knew, and I was like, all right, this is a completely different angle that they're going for. Maybe Sarah, you can roll her eyes at her from time to time, and like, why the hell are you still there? But it kind of speaks to her character, or like this weird like selfie generation of instead of like getting the fuck out of there and like alerting the authorities, it was more important and to be like, well, if somebody sees this that I made this, then I don't like it'll be cool or something, and people will like it, and then maybe something will happen to him. So it's that weird sort of a scenario where she was kept around. But just on the whole, as I said, it could stand alone. Um, I thought Mark Duplass was great and Desiree Akavan. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. Um, You'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> I th- yeah, one of these days after I get like angry tweets or something that I butchered the name. Yeah, um, whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, just th- they, they had both great performances. I thought like back and forth between each other. Um that on its own, if it wasn't creep or whatever, I think it's it's an interesting dynamic, and maybe one you don't see a lot in movies. I can't really think of one where it's kind of sitting down with a serial killer, but it's not in like a controlled environment. The person knows they're a serial killer, and you don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I did like the setup, and as Pete said, I, I thought the camera work, maybe that's what I was talking about. The camera work was, I felt like, a lot better. Maybe the lighting was different. I felt like in the first one, it might have seemed more natural lighting everywhere or I feel like this one maybe was a little different it just seemed more the higher production value a little bit mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I like it more than creep one per se but I do defend it for its own merits alright yeah so there you have it exactly the same reactions we had to creep one <laughs> <laughs> from all of us um, two yays and a nay and I think that'll wrap up this week on the It Records podcast. You know, uh, we're online everywhere. You can find us, iTunes. Listen to us, but let us know on social media what you're thinking. If you want to listen to any new movies or movies that we've neglected, any other sequels. Now we've ventured into the sequel uh, arena that you want us to to listen to. Let us know. Or any mini episodes ideas. I didn't think Creep Two would be the first sequel. Honestly, I thought Scream Two would be. So I'm glad I'm glad we did a different movie, um, different movie first. But uh, we'll be back soon. Until then, I will remain in the shadows. I'm Matt Johnson. I'm Peter Hansen, and I'm not a serial killer. And you can think that anyway. <laughs> I'm Lizzie Clark, and uh, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>